This is the Sideline Slice, presented by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie, and Husker Radio Network analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Welcome back into another episode of the Sideline Slice, our final regular season episode. We're still hoping for a couple more uh, during this football season, but for now, we'll just keep it at uh, Iowa has bad corn week for Jeremiah Searles. This is his favorite hate week, right? Yeah, it's not Iowa. Iowa always has bad corn, but it's specifically Iowa hate week. (laughs) There's nothing about this week. You don't wear black and gold. You don't sing the praises of the other team. You leave that for the head coach. Don't give them any bulletin board material, right? A lot of respect. Love the way they do their program. But at the end of the day, no one likes them. No one wants to be them. No one wants to go live in Iowa. Everything's about Nebraska this week. So you're on location again. You're seeing your dad. I, I thought for sure you'd be wearing your Iowa has bad corn I forgot shirt. it. I, you forgot I to totally, pack it. I totally forgot to pack it. I, I had it out. I was going to wear it. I was like, I got to have it for this week. And then I got here and I was like, gosh darn it. Like I knew I didn't, I knew I needed it, but I'm driving home on Thursday. So you better believe I'm wearing it on Friday. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, before we dive into Iowa and previewing that matchup, another heartbreaker in overtime, but still that being said, a lot of positives. Let's start with the quarterback, Chubba Purdy. How impressed for you and especially that, that start for the offense and especially Chubba Purdy. Yeah, super excited for that young man. You know, last week we talked about on the show, what can he do from start to finish? What does he look like? And he's faster than I gave him credit for. <laughs> right? I will say that. I, I saw him take off and run. I was like, slide, slide. Oh, score, go, go, score, go, go run. <laughs> right? Like, and then I love the ball security as he was running the end zone too. Like, blah. like it's like, okay, you get, you, you're understanding what people are saying around here. But no, I, I love the way he came out and commanded the offense early on specifically and how he delivered the balls with, with confidence, got to his reads, you know, but as the game went on, I felt like he was going a little bit more towards first reads not there, tuck and run. And there were some guys that did come out open. Overall, I thought the protection was pretty good, but I think he earned enough to continue to be the starting quarterback going into this week. I'd like to see him go again because guys take big jumps from, we talked about at the beginning of the season, week one to week two, right? Guys take huge jumps. I'd like to see the jump that he can take from first start to second start and see if he can learn and grow from some of the mistakes that he made and continue to do things well that he did in that first game. Uh, so really happy for him, Good, happy for that young man, and he looks like a quarterback that's going to be in the mix for us in the future. You know, outside of Colorado, maybe, that was the loudest environment, especially when uh, Wisconsin got back in it and in the second half, the probably the most hostile environment that they've been in, Nebraska. So overall, how did you feel like the offensive line handled it and, and the protection and all of that? Yeah, I thought protection for the most part was pretty good. You know, I thought he had a clean pocket and uh, a good amount of the time. And the run game, actually, there were some good holes that popped up. Emma Johnson and Grant, I thought, ran really well. But the thing that I did appreciate was there wasn't a ton of offsides. There was a few in there, but it did look loud. It did look rocking and all of that. And so I was proud of the way those guys handled that. You know, Evan Jenkins has been thrown into a really tough role of going in there and starting. And I thought he'd done a nice job. Lutovsky, too, got to sing some praises for the backup O-linemen that come in and get thrust into a starting role and have to perform. And for the most part, they've done a nice job. And that's just a hats off to Coach Rayola and all the things he does to help prepare these guys on a weekend, week-out basis to just stay ready and be ready. So proud of them and the way they go. I think we need to continue to lean on those guys. You know, the speed option game was there with Chubba Purdy as well, which adds a nice little wrinkle element. But guys pulling and moving and going around, I, I'm liking the way this run game is starting to shape up for this Husker offense. 
Could be an even thinner running back group on uh, Friday as Anthony Grant left the game, did not look good. Uh, we're not sure about his status, but if so, it's Emmett Johnson, it's Josh Fleeks, and probably going to be the freshman. Quint Knives is going to have to be called upon in this game, but here we are another week and another tough blow for the running back room. Yeah, I mean, once he got hurt, I, I remember looking at my wife going, I don't, I don't know who running back number four is. And I was like, I'm, like, I'm not sure who the next guy up's going to be, right? And you talk about Fleeks being back in there. He's guys his receiver, but that's next man up mentality. And that's what Big Ten football in November is, is how can we find a way to piece together our guys and get to Saturday every single week or Friday in this case. And, you know, Iowa's going through all the same thing. Illinois has gone through the same thing. Everyone goes through it. It's just a matter of how well have you been prepared, how well are you ready for your moment. But, you know, in a team that relies predominantly on the run like the Husker offense does, losing a guy like Anthony Grant, that physical running, that physical bell cow punishment type run, that's going to be a big blow to this offense. You know, one of the things, uh, one of the big takeaways for the defense, we, we, we sit here on every week on this podcast and really have sang their praises, and they have been so solid all week. But, you know, Coach Rule told me at halftime, the defense isn't playing up to our standard. I mean, a couple of times, a couple of different series in the second half, especially the defensive staff got pretty frustrated with the guys. Even Quentin Newsom was stepping up like, hey, you know, we're, we're better than this. And so I, I think they walked away the defense a little bit disappointed in the performance but we've seen them when they haven't lived up to the standard really come back all guns ablazing that next week uh, so I guess overall your take on the defense and how you think they'll respond yeah you know it was the first time in the last probably six weeks that I was like man we aren't getting to the quarterback like we're not affecting Tanner Mordecai we're not affecting him on his spot and he's not scrambling out of necessity he's scrambling because no one's open and he's trying to create Right. There's two differences when you're getting the quarterback out the spot because it's coverage downfield or when you're trying to get to his feet. And we just weren't getting to his feet. And hats off to the Wisconsin offensive line. They've been beat up and struggling. But, you know, they've got NFL talent and Tanner Bordellini at the center and Jack Nelson at the left tackle position, Michael Furtney over on the right side. You know, so hats off to them. But that was something where if it wasn't Ty Robinson, there wasn't a lot of guys getting home. And that's probably the most frustrating thing for Coach Rule and Tony Wright because – they had to start trying to figure out in a bag of tricks how to create pressure. You know, Nick Henrich had a great block where he, or a great rush where he ran over Braylon Allen and Braylon Allen tripped him and it should have been a call and it didn't. But, you know, those are the type of things where we just have to continue to win one-on-one -on -one matchups. And then at the end of the game, you know, we, our depth really got tested with Elijah Judy getting beat up. And then with Nash and Ty having to take some breathers, it looked like Wisconsin really took advantage of whenever nine and zero were out of the game, they really just tried to run it between the tackles. And that's just a depth thing for us that we just have to continue to get better with our depth, developing the young players and Van Poppel and those guys, which just comes with time. It's not an overnight fix. But, you know, I think this week we're going to get another heavy dose of Iowa being Iowa and running that mid-zone scheme, running it up the middle. You know, they have a lot of juice that they're playing for, too, with this being Brian Ferentz's last um, Big Ten West game ever. You know, so I liked the way our defense, they still played hard. There was no quitting them, but we got to button it up a little bit between the tackles and get to the quarterback. Yeah, the defensive line depth definitely took a hit last week. They were working on Nash. So when he was coming off that he was getting worked on some, I, I believe maybe a, a shoulder, but you know, they, he was a little banged up in that game. Uh, Blaze Gunnerson left that game as yeah. well. So that was another one. It just um, Phelan Sanford left a lot of guys and then Nick Henrich 
It didn't look good. I don't know what his status is, but there are a lot of guys. Nebraska left that game pretty banged up, which is uh, a little bit concerning. But you do, I mean, here, here it is again, uh, another opportunity that next man up and um, last one, last chance and a lot on the line for some guys to come out here and, and step into the role, whatever it might be. Yeah, you know, and this is a weird thing to say. Don't take this the wrong way, Husker Nation, but I'm kind of glad we're not bowl eligible right now. Right, there's this aura of let's go beat Iowa to go to our first bowl game in a long time that I think adds an extra layer of motivation. Not saying that if we had six wings, we wouldn't be motivated to go beat up on an Iowa team, right? But there's always just that little extra motivation. And the fact that we're favored is another one where it's like, oh, I don't love that because that gives them a little extra motivation too. And there's all these things that go into it, but. When you talk about building a culture that Matt Rule wants to build of complimentary football, everyone knowing their role, everyone taking advantage of their opportunities when they're given to him, what better opportunity than Black Friday in Memorial Stadium against this cross-state rival? Like, everyone should be able to get up for this game. And whether it's your first game in Memorial Stadium or it's your last game in Memorial Stadium, which it will be for a lot of these seniors, you should be able to get up for one more big game like this. And everyone should be playing with their hair on fire. There should be no lack of urgency during the week this week. Everyone needs to be on their P's and Q's and understand that going against a team like Iowa that is a, a, a Big Ten West champion, wanting to go to Indy on a high note and give themselves a chance to try and go knock off an Ohio State or a Michigan, let's knock them down a peg. Let's knock them down a peg, go to the bowl game with six wins. Like There's just so much to play for in this game, the storylines all around, but it all is going to come down to just executing football whoever's out there for the 60 minutes that the game goes on valentino's a slice of home you just can't get anywhere else what started with a treasured family recipe in lincoln nebraska has become a classic italian tradition for 65 years all right well let's dive into it then let's talk about iowa you've said it almost this entire season they're the worst two loss football team that's there ever was but what is it? I mean, it's, it's, is their defense that good that allows them to continue to win games? How are they able to keep stringing these things together and to win the Big Ten West and be playing for a Big Ten title? Defense and special teams. It's a tale as old as time, right? Iowa will play defense and special teams, and you will die and you will pay taxes. Like, that's pretty much just how the Iowa football team goes, and that goes to their culture. And, you know, I did a podcast the other night with, a, with an Iowa podcast and Kirk Ferentz was saying in the media availability that this team their blood pressure does not rise in the fourth quarter in a one score game and that's the truth and a lot of that is because they've done it for so long like they understand Matt Rule talked about wanting to own the fourth quarter but Iowa has owned the fourth quarter on the, the defensive side of the ball for multiple years now and this team just finds ways to grit out wins every single week and it's never pretty it's never a blowout it's never a, wow, look at the Iowa. It's just, yeah, they found a way to win. Again, somehow. I don't know. But, you know, they find ways to make you beat yourself. And a lot of that comes from the defense of turning the ball over, making you go the distance, not allowing the big plays. And then their offense right now has been as big a disaster at times as Nebraska has been. You know, they're on their third quarterback, and they've got a bevy of injuries going on. They lose Luke Lachey early in the year, one of their best quarterback or their best tight ends, right? And they lose McNamara, and they've had their fair share of injuries, but the difference being they can rely heavily on their defense and special teams to find ways to score. And so we have to find ways to flip the script on them because we're going to struggle to score against a great defense that Iowa is. We need to find a way to score on defense or score on special teams and put the ball back in our court and give ourselves the advantage. 
You know, that being said about the Iowa defense forcing turnovers, how much better do you feel going into this game being that Nebraska only had the one at the end of overtime when it was fourth down and, mm -hmm. and that, all of that, but that, you know, Nebraska did finally take better care of the football last week against Wisconsin. Yeah, that was a huge bright spot. You know, the ability to not put the ball on the ground, not throw it to the other team. You know, it shows why we have a chance to win games at the end of the game why we went to overtime, why we went the distance, because when you take care of the football and you have a defense that Nebraska has that is playing at a high level, you're always going to be in those opportunities. Now it's just a matter of finding ways to make those plays at the end of the game and not allowing the other team to do it. So it shows growth, it shows maturity, and it shows that Chubba Purdy took his job serious of ball security. Okay, so let's start just with the Iowa offense, which there hasn't been a lot of positives, but what does this Nebraska defense need to do against the Iowa offense first? Yeah, they need to make them one-dimensional. And I know that's easier said than done, but Iowa's going to run the football. It's what they've done forever. They're going to line up in 12 personnel, 21 personnel, backs and fullbacks and tight ends, and they're just going to want to run it right at us, right down the middle, right up the gut. And we have to find a way to get them behind the sticks. You know, Iowa historically this year, if they're in second and long, they might as well punt, right? <laughs> it's like you ain't, you, ain't, you ain't making second and 12 up, pal. Good luck. Right, So we need to find a way to win on first down and get them backed up and make this quarterback, Deacon, I believe. Is that right? Deacon, is that his last name? Yeah. The big fat one? Yeah, <laughs> the big fat quarterback. Yeah, like Thickum, Captain Thick back there. Yeah, looking forward to make him try and throw the ball because I was watching the game last week and even the commentators, like in a two-minute drill, a two-minute drill beforehand, was like they were talking like, man, do, does Iowa even want to let this guy throw? Does they want to like they're kind of worried about it? And sure enough, here comes a guy around the edge and he throws a fumble, like it comes out of his hand and it escapes. So I want to see us get these guys in passing situations and see if we can't have him throw us one. And then what about the tight ends? You know, Tony White was asked about that at his press conference. What do you see about the tight ends and how Nebraska can match up defensively against those tight ends? Yeah, they're, I mean, it's tight end you, right? I mean, you look, I feel like every NFL team I'm looking at, it's like, and that tight end from Iowa catching another touchdown, right? They, they understand how to develop tight ends. They're one of the best in the country at using their tight ends as great weapons. So our linebacker's eye discipline has to be great. You know, losing Henrich, if he's not out there, he's a veteran leadership guy. Having to make sure, hey, making sure if it's a run fit, understanding you can't let these tight ends block you and also not losing them in play action and getting your eyes caught in the backfield and letting those tight ends to get behind you and they find those tight ends you know in a receiver room that's not great and they don't have a ton of great receivers they rely heavily on the tight ends much like we do on Fedoni and Borkature and those guys because those are just safety blankets and outlets for quarterbacks okay so now let's talk then the Iowa defense and Nebraska offense Again, uh, Coach Satterfield said that all three were full goal in practice. They're all preparing like they will play. Whoever it is, I mean, what is going to be the biggest keys for the Nebraska offense to find a little bit of success? I mean, again, it's not going to be a game where you have to score 35 points to win, but just to, to do their job and do their part for Nebraska to win this game. Yeah, you know, I think a big thing is going to be sustaining drives making sure that we sustain drives, not three and out. We can't go three and out against this team. It needs to be put a couple first downs together, flip the field position, right? And you talk about an offense that's struggling, Nebraska's is struggling, Iowa's struggling. Well, make them go 85. Make them go 90. Pin them deep. Make them go the distance because they haven't proven that they can. And, you know, so with our quarterback situation, I think we may see all three. I really do. I think it's kind of that, that what is it from the water boy last game of the year can't hold anything back now right like you want to throw everyone out there maybe it's jeff sims and 
and Henrich and Purdy in like a wishbone formation and some type of trick play and those type of things. I think you'll see a little bit of everyone because we're going to need everyone, especially with Grant being down. You know, they've got to find ways to put explosive plays in uh, explosive players' hands. And all three of those quarterbacks have shown that they've got good speed with their feet. You know, I think Purdy's shown that he can throw the ball in the right spot. And now it's just going to come down to how do we use those guys effectively to give us the best chance to win. So last week, Miss Phil Goal, uh, kind of an uncharacteristic performance from Brian Buschini. Of all the games, how on point does the special teams need to be in this one in particular? You have to be P's and Q's. Points are an absolute premium in this matchup. I mean, I think the over-under was set in Vegas at like 24. <laughs> I think it was like 27 and a half is what I saw. It's, I think it dropped. I think it's actually wow. dropped at 25, right? I mean, so th that's the case. And Vegas knows, we know, Iowa knows, like the first one to 12 might win this football game. So if you get yourself in a position to score points, whether three or a touchdown, you have to execute and you have to make sure you knock the ball through the uprights in that respect. And even an extra point is going to be extremely important this week. And then on the flip side, Iowa's punter, He's been great. He's been their MVP, right? They need to put a statue of him up in front of the stadium if they win the Big Ten. <laughs> but as far on our side, like Boom Sheeney, very uncharacteristic week of him. I mean, if you're downing your own punt, that's not a good thing. You know, so I'd love to see him get back into form. He's going to get back in. My guess is I'm not in Lincoln, but my guess is that the weather's going to be crappy because it's late November in Lincoln, right? So making sure you take care of the football, ball security, and try and do everything you can to lock those dudes deep because Cooper DeGene is hurt. So that returner that they've had that's been very dangerous, he's not back there, right? Pin them deep, see if a returner, give him a wobbly one, give him something that's maybe going to make him muff that thing, give us a chance. Why do you think Nebraska's favored? Because it's home. I think, I think if this is Kinnick, they're favored. I think because it's in Memorial Stadium, we're favored. I mean, when you talk about a coin flip game with two teams that look similar on paper, I know the records aren't the same, but they look very similar on paper as far as defensive categories, statistic-wise, offensive categories, statistic-wise. Like, I think they looked at this game and went, home game, coin flip, Nebraska. You know, you, you alluded to this earlier, but it's, it's an emotional day on senior day, and your last time running out into the stadium and knowing that it's going to be your last time, whether you play in a bowl game or not, this will be your last time playing in the stadium. But then you add on top of that something to play for in this. I mean, the last three years we've been sitting here doing this podcast on senior day, and there hasn't been a bowl game on the line to play for. What does that add? And I know you never experienced that because you always had that locked up. But, I mean, how much more does that add to the emotional part of it when it's senior day, and then now this is on the line with it. And then on top of that, oh, yeah, by the way, it's Iowa. Yeah, there's a lot of emotional capital that's going to be put into this week. The biggest thing is trying to do what Matt Rule tells these guys all the time. It's 1-0, right? You have to approach this game the same way. And if you can use the other outside influences as motivators and things during the week of an extra incentive to maybe I'll watch one more hour of tape instead of play Call of Duty or – I'm going to get that one extra lift in to make sure my body's right. That one extra treatment session because th there is so much on the line. As long as you're using it for that kind of stuff and you're not using it for it's third and eight in the third quarter and you're thinking, man, I can't make a mistake because we need to go to a bowl game. Right? Like, those are the type of things that can't happen. It has to be all positively. And that just comes with playing in more games that mean more things. Right? I mean, you, we talked about it when we went on our win streak there. Every win gets more important. Well, we're on a bit of a losing streak now. We've got to find a way to right the ship, find a way to make things the right way. And what better way than senior day with the emotion to go play for those seniors, the guys that have been here through so much struggle between Scott Frost and then now a new rule era, 
you know, what better way to send those seniors out on a high note in Memorial Stadium with a win against the poop town against Iowa? <laughs> and this has been something that a lot of the coaches have talked about, but, you know, you remember it well, that walking off the last time, just how much, how important is, if you have any words of advice, just to leave it all out there for your last time, because you're never going to get it back. You're never going to be able to put that on again and, and run out in front of that crowd. I remember losing to Iowa on my senior day, and, you know, I won a lot of football games in Nebraska. We played a lot of fun games in Memorial Stadium, a lot of games on the road, and won big, lost big, all in between. The loss to Iowa on senior day still digs the most in my craw. Hmm. Like, it still is that one that sits there like, man, that would have been the one to watch them carrying the Heroes Trophy off of our field back to their place after beating them the year before. It just, it just still doesn't feel good. You know, so don't let your last time at Memorial Stadium be a bad taste in your mouth. You know, it's one of those things that you can never get back, right? And so for these seniors, go out there, walk out with your head held high, knowing you left everything out on that field, and you can kind of walk away with that Heroes Trophy back to the student section, doing your thing, seeing families, hugs, cries, everything in between that comes the emotion, but earn the right to do that with 60 Minutes. I love it. All right, give us your, your big keys for this one. Yeah, uh, we talked about it a lot, but... Field position and field position and punting and field goals and special teams is all going to play arguably the biggest role in this game all year, right? So that's my number one. Number two, take the football away. Find a way to give our offense a short field. Find a way to give ourselves a chance to go a scoring opportunity on a plus 50. That's going to be a big one in Iowa team that has been turning the ball over. Find a way to get to the quarterback and pick one off or do whatever you have to do to give us a short field. And then lastly is just enjoy the moment and control your emotion. Let it fuel you in the right way. Let it be a positive. Go out there and feel free, feel fast, play physical, and just let this emotion fuel you and don't let it be a thing that brings you anxiety or anything like that. Who you got for players to watch? Yeah, I think for me, the, the players to watch is going to be our offensive line. You know, I want to see how Ben Scott, uh, Bryce Benhart, you know, Teddy Brohaska, all those guys, how do you fare up against a very stout defensive front? You know, I thought they did some really good things last week against the Wisconsin front. I'd like to see them carry that back over this week and how they were being physical, running off the ball, moving some guys. So they're going to be my, my player to watch there. And then, you know, I really want to see on the defensive side, I want to see our DBs continue to have big tackling, big tackling days. You know, this is going to be a front where they're going to come up. So I know it's not a players playing group. But, you know, this is an offensive Iowa front that's going to really try and get things muddied in the middle there in a big pile, and then all of a sudden a back's going to break free off of a, a tiny crease. It's going to be really important that our DBs are great in their run support, great in their run fits, and get these backs on the ground. Is there a weakness? If there is a weakness, where is it in this Iowa defense? The back end. You know, I think with Cooper DeGene being hurt, their first, I mean, all-American type corner, first-round pick type corner, with him being hurt, you know, that leaves, some, that leaves some opportunities for guys like Malachi Coleman, um, Billy Kemp, you know, Dawes to go down and, and make something happen on the back end because their strength is their front seven. So if we want to take a shot, you know, I, I would anticipate we see that same touchdown play that we had to Malachi Coleman, the fake speed option, put your foot in the ground, come back and throw it. You know, I'd anticipate to see a couple of those two hoping to catch some of those young DBs with their eyes in their backfield. So how does this offensive line, Nebraska offensive line, and it, it's going to take everybody, right? Tight ends, fullbacks, all of that, H-backs, running backs. How do they match up with the Iowa front seven? As far as, like, how do they do it? Yeah. How do they match up yeah, with them? What's the, yeah, the, what's kind of the key to having success on, in the trenches, uh, the Nebraska offensive line versus the uh, Iowa defensive line? 
Yeah, the biggest thing is just get a hat on a hat. You know, these guys have feasted on on getting TFLs and getting guys behind the sticks, and it's not always going to be beautiful double teams, move them six yards off the ball, but just understanding your assignment, understanding the technique that needs to be done, and just put a hat on a hat, right? If I have to be on the middle linebacker, I don't care how I have to get there. I don't care if it's a glancing blow. I got to get on him and stick on him and give our backs a chance, and that's how you have success against great defenses. You don't allow free runners. You don't allow guys to be blitzing through the A-gap untouched. Like, just hat on a hat, assignment football. All right, how's the trash talking been between you and some of your former Iowa teammates? I haven't got into it yet with them. You know, I think all of us are kind of sitting there, and it's, it's hard to trash talk a Big Ten West champ, right? <laughs> it's like it's one of those things. It was a lot easier last year. It was like, we're going to ruin this for you, right? But like, they're like, hey, we're already going to Indy, dude. Chill down. But it is nice to know, like, hey, that, that Heroes Trophy is nice, snug in Lincoln, right where it needs to be and right where it's going to stay. So I'll be pinging Kittle and all those fun dudes this week later on on Twitter and see how it goes. Oh, Iowa Hate Week is your favorite, right? It's this the is best. your most hated team. Mm, yes. I mean, it, Wisconsin's <laughs> close. Wisconsin's a very close. It's 1A, 1B. Like, it's definitely 1A, 1B. But yeah, Iowa's not. No one likes Iowa. Well, go get no, that no. Iowa has bad corn shirt. I'm still disappointed you don't have it on for the pod today. I apologize. I'll, I'll next year. Next year. <laughs> you have to post a picture of it on your on social. All right. Well, we'll uh, look forward to chatting again. Not sure when we'll circle back but hopefully we have a lot to talk about following this one on friday but for jeremiah searles i'm jessica cootie thanks for watching this episode of the sideline slice brought to you by valentino's pizza the official pizza of the huskers go big red